You're going to have to forgive my voice this morning or listen a little harder. Maybe that's the best thing. But hey, I want you to repeat after me. Fellowship NWA dot org forward slash Easter. Now I want you to put all that together. Fellowship NWA. That was pretty weak. Let's try it again. Fellowship NWA dot org forward slash Easter. And that will give you all the information you need this week when you forget what time the services start and all that. There are 18 opportunities up and down the corridor this uh, next week to celebrate Easter. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, God has uh, given us so, so much good things to share this week. And uh, So uh, this morning, if you're subscribed to our Holy Week devotionals, you should have gotten your first one. And uh, that will happen every day. You can go in and read them. You can listen to them. And uh, this morning was Nick Rowland. You will enjoy that. And uh, you can also get it at the QR code. But you can also find it at fellowshipnwa.org forward slash Easter. And subscribe to those so that you will get them every day. Every day. And then we also have the Ride Home podcast, uh, which we don't have a QR code. But you can go to fellowshipnwa.org forward slash Easter. And find it there. But uh, uh, what I've done is put together a harmony of the Gospels, and Russell Dorch has orchestrated it, and we read through the successive story of Christ last week on earth. And uh, encourage you to do that. Also, share it with friends who may not know Christ because I share the Gospel with them at the end. And uh, so, share that with them if they want to know more about Christ. And then this Friday, we have stations of reflection over in the training center chapel. On the day of Christ's death, if you want to come and just have some reflection time, observe communion, it's, it's a beautiful time to do so. Now, next week, our Easter times are as follows here on the Fellowship Rogers campus. Seven o'clock in the morning, there will be a sunrise service out on the West Field. Bring a chair or a blanket, something. Uh, but uh, if, if it's beautiful, praise you, Lord. Let it be beautiful next Sunday. Uh, if not, that, uh, that service will not happen. But then there will be successive services. Let me make sure, yes, at 9, 10, 11, here in the worship center. And those family services will happen in the student center at 9, 10, and 11. So keep that in mind for next Sunday. Also, I want to let you know we are very sensitive to what has happened in central Arkansas, in Little Rock, and with Wynn. I've already made contacts with uh, churches in Little Rock and Wynn, and we will be sending them funds on Monday to help with disaster relief. We've opened our disaster relief portal, so if you want to uh, donate to that, you can. But let's just take a moment in the quiet and pray for those folks down there and all that they're going through. And then just ask God to speak to your heart as we begin this beautiful service of remembering what Christ has done for us. Deep the fall. 
Lamb of God. Of all the names given our Savior, perhaps this is the most tender, the most personal. Who could have imagined that the Lion of Judah, the Lord of creation, would choose to enter our world as a creature of gentle humility? Yet this was God's extraordinary plan. The sovereign would become a servant. The shepherd would become a lamb. No wonder the world did not recognize him when he walked among us. John would be the first to proclaim his divine identity on the banks of the Jordan. Behold, the baptizer cried, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Three short years later, Jesus approached the hour when his mission would be fulfilled. The ancient prophets had long spoken of this day. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He carried our sorrows was pierced for our transgression. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so, the sky turned black, a rough cross was raised, and on an altar called Calvary, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed for our sins. Let's stand together and sing fellowship.
Ladies, please join me. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Gentlemen, join me. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And, and by, by his, his wounds, wounds we are healed. Upon a hill, a perfect Savior, upon that day, a perfect love, all the punishment that should have fallen on us was upon him, was upon him, upon his head, a crown of thorns. Upon his heart, a broken world. All the wage of sin and all the weight of our transgressions was upon him, upon him. Stand and proclaim this with us. Christ has died. Christ has died. We are forgiven in Christ alone. We are the Oh
of communion the elements are going to be passed and later on in this song mickey's going to come and lead us in that
Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And may we all remember. like manner he took the cup this is my blood which is spilled for you take and drink may we all remember
blood and tears How can you There's a God who weeps There's a God who weeps Oh, praise the one Who would reach Isaiah 53, 6 tells us that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. And there are times for all of us when we all have turned our back on God's best for us. Yes? We all, like sheep, have gone astray, but that wasn't what was on the disciples' mind. On that last week of Christ's life, on this Palm Sunday that we celebrate, they had watched him as he came down the Mount of Olives. And for the first time, the people celebrated him and adored him. They waved palm branches, they threw their cloaks on the ground. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Lord, save us. They gave him the praise he truly deserved. And we know as we've been studying Daniel that what is on that day he fulfilled what had been prophesied by Daniel. The 69 weeks, the 483 years. And he said this in Luke 19. As he wept over Jerusalem, there on the Mount of Olives, if you, even you, had only known on this day, 173,880 days after Artaxerxes had told them to return to Jerusalem, if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. It wasn't a day early. It wasn't a day late. It was right when it was supposed to be. That Jesus wept over the city. On the following Thursday, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He established the Lord's Supper that we celebrated just a moment ago in order to remember him. And after they had sung a hymn, they left the room where they were and they went east across the Kidron Valley and ascended up the Mount of Olives to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane. It was a garden. It literally means the place of crushing. It's where olives were crushed and the oil was made. And Jesus would be crushed with dread there as he prayed to the Father, knowing what was about to happen to him. 
Dr. Luke tells us that he sweat as it were great drops of blood. The Lord sent an angel to comfort him and strengthen him during that time. His words, not my will, but your will be done, should be at the forefront of our minds every time we face difficulty. Realizing that the sovereign Lord has our lives in his hands. But on the way to the garden. As they were walking along. Jesus. Fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. And sharing it with. His disciples made a shocking statement. He said to them from out of the blue. You will all fall away. Zechariah had said it this way, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. You will all fall away. What a thing to say. That word fall away. It's where we get our word scandal from. What a scandalous thing for him to say about them who were so true to him. And Peter said, not me. I'll die before I deny you. And all the others joined in. But Jesus told them that before the sun would rise and before the cock would crow, that he would deny him three times. As he entered the garden, he told the disciples to sit and keep watch. But he asked Peter, James, and John to go with him a little further. And, and he shared with them that he was deeply distressed. And his soul was overcome with sorrow. He was fully aware of the severity of what was about to happen to him. And they were to stay there and keep watch. Be vigilant. You know what happened. He went and he prayed with an hour. He prayed earnestly to the Lord and he went back and they were asleep. They were asleep. Luke tells us that they were overcome with sorrow. These little naps that they were taking would likely be the last sleep that they would get for days. But they were so tired. It had been a long day, but it was just about to get very long. When he found them sleeping the second time, Mark tells us that they, they didn't know how to respond to him. They just didn't know what to say. They were mired in guilt for their inability to stay awake at this crucial time. But I want to focus on what Jesus said to Peter. The first time he found them as they had fallen asleep. In Mark 14, 38. Jesus said to them, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. We can relate to that, can't we? Oh, it's easy to be a Christian in here, isn't it? 
It's easy to say all the Christian things and do all the right things and sing the songs. But we get outside these doors, it's a little tougher, isn't it? There wasn't a lot there in the Garden of Gethsemane to tempt them. And so what was Jesus saying? I think he was looking forward to what was about to happen. I think he was looking forward to our day. I think he was communicating something to all of us. That we are to watch and pray, be vigilant, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak. In just a few hours, Peter would stand in the courtyard of the high priest. And even though he had been so strong, I'll never, I'll never deny you. He denied the Lord three times. Three times. Before the sun rose and before the rooster crowed, he would deny him three times. And Mark tells us the third time he denied him that somehow, some way, their eyes met and Jesus looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine what that would have been like? And Peter wept bitterly. Well, Jesus would be crucified, we know. He would be crucified. He would drink the cup of God's wrath for all of us. His death on the cross is enough to pay for all of our sins, past, present, future. That's what separates him from any other self-proclaimed deity in all of history is his grace. His grace for all of us. It would make such a difference in Peter's life that we don't even envision him as the same person in our mind's eye before the crucifixion and after the resurrection. We see Peter one way in denying the Lord, but we see a totally different person as he preached and the 3,000 were saved on the day of Pentecost. He would never, ever deny the Lord again after Jesus restored him after his resurrection. As a matter of fact, he would proclaim him until, as the early church fathers, he would tell us that he would be crucified upside down, not considering himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner the Lord was crucified. The message of Gethsemane extends to all of us. That we are to watch and pray lest we fall into temptation. Avoiding temptation demands constant vigilance for all of us. Why? Because we have an enemy. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He never takes a nap. Not Satan. That dragon of revelation. He never takes a nap. And so we have to be vigilant. 
always. We have to stay in, stay close, and stay away. Stay in the word. Stay close to the Father. And stay away from temptation. Remember that. Stay in, stay close, and stay away. Maybe today, through these songs, through these readings, through the scriptures, you're seeing for the first time that you really need Jesus. That you've never truly placed your trust in Him and asked Him to come into your heart. You see, you, you can't re- rely on good works. That's not enough. Won't do it. Just being a good person, that's not it. Being baptized as an infant, that didn't do it for you. It's coming to a point in your life where you realize that God is everything and you are nothing. And you say, Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart right now? And you place your life and your eternity in his hands, not relying on what you can do. And just say to him, Lord, come in. And there are hundreds of people in this room who will tell you that that made all the difference. I know for me, from that point on, I had a God consciousness. That I was aware of God in every aspect of my life from that moment forward. And so this morning, if you've not placed your trust in Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to ask him to come in. To be your Lord and Savior. And he's promised that he will give you eternal life. And so I want to ask you to bow with me. And if you don't know him, to pray this simple prayer. And I'll ask everyone in the room to repeat these words aloud after me. So that those who might be praying it for the first time don't don't feel like they're all alone. And for those of us who do know him, it's just a good reminder of that decision that we made so long ago. But for those who may be praying to ask Jesus to come into your life for the first time. Remember, it's not the words you say. It's your heart speaking to the heart of God. Because it's with the heart that we believe and are justified, as Romans says. So just say these words after me, talking to God. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life right now. I believe you died on the cross and rose again for me. I know I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive my sin. To cleanse me and wash me as white as snow. I now accept you as my Savior. And I will follow you as my Lord. All the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. 
And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, asking Christ to come into your life, I want you to remember this verse. John 6, 47. These are the words of Jesus, not mine. But he said, I tell you the truth. The one who believes in me will have eternal life. That's his promise. Just rest in that and follow him. Tell someone, tell one of us, let us help you begin your new life in Christ. As you follow him. Then he was brought before the Roman governor, Pilate. And at the urging of the Sanhedrin and the crowd's betrayal, Jesus was sentenced to death. He was beaten, mocked, and ridiculed by the Roman guards. A crown of thorns was placed on his head, and he was ordered to carry his cross as they led him away to be crucified. Jesus was nailed to a cross and crucified between two criminals. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise it was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two Jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last.
to